Hi there, this is Teacher Bear from Bear in Sin English, and now you're listening to Bear's Book Corner. This is Chapter Two of Peter Pan. Now come with me, and let's take in in this new adventure. Chapter Two, The Shadow. Miss Darling screamed, and as if in answer to a bell, the door opened, and Nana entered, returned from her evening out. She growled and sprang at the boy, who leapt lightly through the window. Again, Miss Darling screamed, this time in distress for him, for she thought he was killed. And she ran down into the street to look for this little boy, but it was not there. She looked up, and in the black night she could see nothing but what she thought was a shooting star. She returned to the nursery and found Nana with something in her mouth, which proved to be the boy's shadow. As he leaped at the window, Nana had closed it quickly, too late to catch him. But his shadow had not had time to get out. Slam went the window and snapped it off. You may be sure Miss Darling examined the shadow carefully, but it was quite the ordinary kind. Nana had no doubt of what was the best thing to do with this shadow. She hung it out at the window, meaning he is sure to come back for it. Let us put it where he can get it easily without disturbing the children. But. Unfortunately, Miss Darling could not leave it hanging out the window. It looked so like the washing and lowered the whole tone of the house. She thought of showing it to Mister Darling, but he was totting up winter greatcoats for John and Michael, with a wet towel round his head to keep his brain clear, and it seemed a shame to trouble him. Besides, she knew exactly what he would say. <clears throat> It all comes of having your dog for a nurse. She decided to roll the shadow up and put it away carefully in a drawer until a fitting opportunity came for telling her husband. Ah me! The opportunity came a week later, on that never-to-be-forgotten Friday. Of course, it was a Friday. I ought to have been specially careful on the Friday. She used to say afterwards to her husband, "Well, perhaps Nana was on the other side of her, holding her hand." No, no," Mister Darling always said, "I am responsible for it all. I, George Darling, did it. Mercopa, Mercopa. He had had a classical education." They sat thus night after night, recalling that fatal Friday. Till every detail of it was stamped on their brains, and came through on the other side like the faces on a bad quinnage. If only I had not accepted that invitation to dine at twenty-seven, Miss Darling said. If only I had not poured my medicine into Nana's bowl, said Mister Darling. If only I had pretended to like the medicine, was what Nana's wet eye said. My liking for parties, George. My fatal gift of humour, dearest. My touchiness of bow trifles, dear master and mistress. Then one or more of them would break down together. Nana, at the thought, 
It's true, it's true. They ought not to have a dog for a nurse. Many a time it was Mr. Darling who put the handkerchief to Nan's eyes. That fiend! Mr. Darling would cry, and Nana's bark was the echo of it. But Miss Darling never braided Peter. There was something in the right-hand corner of her mouth that wanted her not to call Peter names. They would sit there in the empty nursery, recalling fondly every smallest detail of what that dreadful evening. It had begun so uneventfully, so precisely like a hundred other evenings, with Nana putting on the water for Michael's bath and carrying him to it on her back. I won't go to bed! He had shouted, like one who still believed that he had the last word on the subject. I won't! I won't! Nana, it isn't six o'clock yet! Oh dear! Oh dear! I shan't love you any more, Nana! I tell you, I won't be bathed! I won't! I won't! Then Miss Darling had to come in, wearing her white evening gown. She had dressed early because Wendy so loved to see her in her evening gown, with the necklace George had given her. She was wearing Wendy's bracelet on her arm. She had asked for the loan of it. Wendy so loved to lend her bracelet to her mother. She had found her two older children playing at being herself and father on the occasion of Wendy's birth, and John was saying, I am happy to inform you, Miss Darling, that you are now a mother, in such a tone that Mr. Darling himself may have used on the real occasion. Wendy had danced with joy, just as the real Miss Darling must have done. Then John was born, with extra pomp that he had conceived due to the birth of a male, and Michael had come from his bath to ask to be born also, but John said brutally that they did not want any more. Michael had nearly cried. Nobody wants me, he said. And of course, the lady in evening dress could not stand that. I do, she said. I so want a third child. Boy or girl, asked Michael, not too hopefully. Boy. Then he leapt into her arms. Such a little thing for Mr. and Miss Starling and Nana to recall now but not so little if that was to be Michael's last night in the nursery. They go on with their recollections. It was then that I rushed in like a tornado, wasn't it? Mr. Darling would say, scorning himself, and indeed he had been like a tornado. Perhaps there was some excuse for him. He too had been dressing for the party, and all had gone well with him until he came to his dive. It is an astounding thing to have to tell, but these men, though he knew about stocks and shares, had no real mastery of his tie. Sometimes the thing yielded to him without a contest, but there were occasions when it would have been better for the house if he had swallowed his pride and used a made-up tie. This was such an occasion. He came rushing into the nursery with the crumpled little brute of a tie in his hand. Why, what's the matter, father dear? Matter, he yelled. He really yelled. This die! It would not die! He became dangerously sarcastic. Not round my neck! Round the bedpost! Oh yes, twenty times I've made it up round the bedpost, but round my neck? No, no, oh dear no, Bex to be excused! He thought Miss Starling was not sufficiently impressed, and went on sternly. 
I warn you of this, mother, that unless this tie round my neck, we don't go out to party tonight. And if I don't go out to dinner tonight, I never go to the office again. And if I go into the office again, you and I starve, and our children will be flung into the streets. Even then, Miss Darling was placid. Let me try, dear, she said. And indeed, that was what he had come to ask her to do. And with her nice cool hands, she tied his tie for him, while the children stood around to see their fate decided. Some men would have resented her being able to do it so easily, but Mr. Darling was far too fine a nature for that. He thanked her carelessly, at once forgot his rage, and, in another moment, was dancing round the room with Michael on his back. How wildly we romped, said Miss Darling now, recalling it. Our last romp, Mr. Darling groaned. Oh, George, do you remember Michael suddenly said to me, How did you get to know me, mother? I remember. They were rather sweet, don't you think, George? And they were ours, and ours, and now they're gone. The romp had ended with the appearance of Nana, and most unluckily Mr. Darling collided against her, covering his trousers with hers. There were not only new trousers, but they were the first he ever had with the braid on them, and he had to bite his sleep to prevent the tears coming. Of course, Miss Darling brushed him, but he began to talk again about its being a mistake to have a dog for a nurse. George! Nana is a treasure. No doubt, but I have an uneasy feeling at times that she looks upon the children as puppies. Oh, no, dear one. I feel sure she knows they have souls. I wonder, said Mr. Darling thoughtfully. I wonder. It was an opportunity, his wife felt, for telling him about the boy. At first, he pooh-poohed the story, but he became thoughtful when she showed him the shadow. It is no party, I know, he said, examining it carefully. But he does look like a scoundrel. We were still discussing it, you remember, said Mr. Darling, when Nana came in with Michael's medicine. You will never carry the bottle in your mouth again, Nana, and it's all my fault. Strong man he was. There is no doubt that he had behaved rather foolishly over the medicine. If he had a weakness, it was for thinking that all his life he had taken medicine boldly. And so now, when Michael dodged the spoon in Nana's mouth, he said reprovingly, Be a man, Michael! I won't! I won't! Michael cried notly. Miss Starling left the room to get a chocolate for him, and Mr. Darling thought this showed want of firmness. Mother! Pamper him, he called after her. Michael, when I was your age, I took medicine without a murmur. I said thank you, kind parents, for giving me bottles to make me well. He really thought this was true. And Wendy, who was now in her nightgown, believed it also, and she said to encourage Michael. That medicine you sometimes take, father, it is much nastier, isn't it? Ever so much nastier, Mr. Darling said bravely. And I would take it now as an example to you, Michael, if I hadn't lost the bottle. 
He had not exactly lost it. He had climbed in dead of night on top of the wardrobe and hidden it there. What he did not know was that the faithful Lisa had found it and put it back in his washstand. I know where is it, father, Wendy cried. I was glad to be of service. I'll bring it. And she was off before he could stop her. Immediately his spirits sank in the strangest way. John, he said shuddering. It's most beastly stuff. It's that nasty, sticky, sweet kind. It will soon be over, father, John said cheerily. And then in rushed Wendy with the medicine in a glass. I have been as quick as I could, she panted. You have been wonderfully quick, her father retorted with a vindictive politeness that was quite thrown away upon her. Michael first, he said. Dorsely. Father first, said Michael, who was of a suspicious nature. I shall be sick, you know, Mr. Darling said threateningly. Oh, come on, father, said John. Hold your tongue, John, his father rapped out. Wendy was quite puzzled. I thought you looked quite easily, father. That was not the point, he retorted. The point is... That there is more in my glass than in Michael's spoon. His proud heart was nearly bursting. And it isn't fair. I would say, though, it were with my last breath. It isn't fair. Father, I'm waiting, said Michael coldly. It's all very well to say you're waiting. So I am waiting. Father's a coward custard. So you are cowardly custard. I'm not frightened. Neither am I frightened. Well then, take it. Well then, you take it. Wendy had a splendid idea. Why not both of you take it at the same time? Certainly, said Mr. Darling. Are you ready, Michael? Wendy gave the words, one, two, three. And Michael took it his medicine, but Mr. Darling slipped his behind his back. There was a yell of rage from Michael, and, Oh, father! Wendy exclaimed. What do you mean by, oh, father? Mr. Darling demanded. Stop that row, Michael. I meant to take mine, but I missed it. It was dreadful the way they three looked at him, just as if they did not admire him. Look here, all of you, he said entertainingly, as soon as Nana had gone into the bathroom. I have just thought of a splendid joke. I shall pour my medicine into Nana's bowl, and... She will drink it, thinking it's milk. It was the colour of milk. But the children did not have their father's sense of humour, and they looked at him reproachfully as he poured the medicine into Nana's bowl. What fun! he said doubtfully, but they did not dare to expose him when Miss Darling and Nana returned. Nana, good dog, he said, patting her. I have put a little milk into your bowl, Nana. Nana wagged her tail ran to the medicine and began lapping it. Then she gave Mr. Darling such a look, not an angry one. She showed him that the great red tear that made us so sorry for noble dogs and crept into her kennel. Mr. Darling was frightfully ashamed of himself, but he would not give in. In a horrid silence, Miss Darling smelt the bowl. Oh, George, she said, it's your medicine. It was only a joke. He roared. 
while she comforted the boys, and Wendy hugged Nana. Much good, he said bitterly. My wearing myself to the bone trying to be funny in this house. And still Wendy hugged Nana. That's right, he shouted. Coddle her. Nobody coddles me. Oh dear, no. I am only the breadwinner. Why should I be coddled? Why, why, why? George, Miss Starling entreated him. Not so loud. The servants will heal you. Somehow they got into the way of calling Lisa the servants. Let them, he answered recklessly. Bring in the whole world. But I refuse to allow that dog to lord it in my nursery for an hour longer. The children wept and Nana ran to him beseechingly, but he waved her back. He felt he was a strong man again. In vain, in vain, he cried. The proper place for you is in the yard, and there you go to be tied up this instant. George, remember what I told you about that boy. Alas, he would not listen. He was determined to show who was the master in the house. And, when commands would not draw Nana from her kennel, he lured her out with honeyed words on seizing her rough. He was ashamed of himself, and yet he did it. It was all owning to this too affectionate nature, which craved for admiration. When he had tied her up in the backyard, the wretched father went and sat in the passage with his knuckles to his eyes. In the meantime, Miss Starling had put the children to bed in unwanted silence and lit their night lights. They could hear Nana barking, and John whimpered, but Wendy was wiser. But that's not Nana's unhappy bark, she said, guessing what was about to happen. That is her bark when she smells danger. Danger? Are you sure, Wendy? Oh, yes. Miss Starling quivered and went down the window. It was securely fastened. She looked out, and the night was peppered with stars. They were crowding around the house, as if curious to see what was about to take place there. But she did not notice this, nor that one or two of smaller ones winked at her. Yet a nameless fear clutched at her heart and made her cry. Oh, how I wish that I wasn't going to the party tonight. Even Michael, already half asleep, knew that she was perturbed. So, as soon as the door of 27 closed on Mr. and Miss Starling, there was a commotion in the firmament, and the smallest of all stars in the Milky Way screamed out, Now, Peter! You just listened to Peter Pan, Chapter 2. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please follow us on the Instagram page. All the information you need will be available here on Spotify. Just go to the description box. If you need the PDF file of the book, don't hesitate to contact me. I really hope you enjoyed it again. See you soon. Bye-bye.